I guess the traditional walking into the pub and seeing your friend and as guys do patting each other on the back and shaking hands and saying, how are you? It's good to see you. What's been up with you? How have you found things? When is that conversation ever going to happen? Welcome back to All In Business, your weekly business show here on Joe, backed by AIB. Well, if you've been paying attention over the last few weeks, you'll have noticed we've been looking at businesses uniquely affected by the COVID crisis. Last week, we were talking about food. This week, we're looking at the drinks industry. How have publicans, distillers and brewers been affected by the crisis and what happens when we get back to life as normal? Well, here to discuss, we're joined by fourth generation publican Deirdre Devitt and by Teeling's whiskey founder, Jack Teeling, later on our trailblazer will be the co-founder of Carlo Brewing Company, Seamus O'Hara. Now, before all that, don't forget to hit subscribe to get the full show each week on podcast and YouTube so that you never miss an episode. Right, let's get started. Joe presents All In, together with AIB, backing Irish business. Jack and Deirdre, thanks so much for being with us this morning. These aren't easy times for anybody at the moment, but for publicans and brewers and distillers uh, with doors closed at the moment, I can't imagine this is easy for any of you. I wanted to start by asking you, what did you think of Simon Harris's comments recently that the doors might stay closed until we find a vaccine? Um, Well, I might take that one first, uh, Jack, if you don't mind. Um, I think we all appreciate um, the precautions that need to be taken. And, and, you know, if anything, we've learned why we have to be indoors and why we're in the situation we're in. Um, Scaremongering, though, does not help. We're talking about, you know, 50,000 plus employees in the bar trade, um, all sitting at home waiting to know when they're getting back to work. This is people's livelihoods. And in as much as we need to be safe, we we also need to ensure that businesses get back up and running as soon as possible. We appreciate absolutely everything that's been said, but somehow, and you'll see all countries across Europe now are taking, you know, advice from businesses as to how they might reopen. Um, So scaremongering that we won't open till next year is not helpful. Simon Harris is doing a fantastic job, as are the government, but we need to work together to try and come up with a solution um, that will somehow get people back working. But is it scaremongering, Deirdre, if it's if it's factual? I mean, maybe we won't reopen until next year. What happens then? As you've rightly said, there's 50,000 people waiting to hear about that. Yeah. That must weigh heavy on, on both of you. What do you think about that, Jack? Yeah, I think, uh, look, everyone is trying their best to, to um, um, stay positive. Uh, I do agree that, uh, you know, and particularly there's a lot of people out there with a lot of anxiety at the best of times in this current situation. So, so uh, you know, saying statements like that if that is true even at this stage it's 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 not going to help things i think everyone has to start thinking that this is uh, you know a current situation and we have to work our way out of it and find ways of operating within the new parameters that are there um and will require creative thinking um you know the pub culture uh it's part of our our community it's part of our culture it's part of our offering and 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 you know uh i i I'm struggling myself to see how we could shut it down to a vaccine because there's no, no, the reality, when is the vaccine going to come? Like, you know, that it could be months, could be years. It could, could, we could never get a vaccine. So, so I think uh, reality is, 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 uh, you know, we're going to have to deal with this and um, we'll deal with it as, as best we possibly can. I think there's a lot of people out there, you know, trying their best to, to map a way out. And I think that's the way we have to work it as a, as a, as a, as a business, as mm-hmm. a community um, uh, of how, we can operate within the new parameters and the new 
uh, normals that are there. Um, do I have all the answers? No, but uh, you know, saying that every pub, restaurant, whatever should be shut indefinitely is is not going to help the situation. Well, this is as good a time as any for me to to throw in the the caveat. Obviously, everyone needs to drink responsibly. Um, that said, Jack, you raise a really good point there that I was about to get to myself. It, it being it being Ireland and it being our culture and the you know the pub is very much at the heart of that, and there's no way around it. Um, so. In terms of in terms of yourselves, in terms of owners, in terms of staff, it's obviously a very difficult time. But um, for ordinary people, in terms of their social outlet, that's gone too. I'd imagine that's very very difficult for people uh, for rural people in rural areas. And and Deirdre, I wanted to ask you, especially because obviously you work with uh, the charity alone mm-hmm. for older people who maybe that was their main social outlet. Mm-hmm. This just must be devastating altogether. It is. I mean, you know, alone have probably called over 40,000, made over 40,000 calls in the last six weeks back out to people as well as taking nearly 20,000 calls in. People are really missing the face-to-face, um, even if they're living rurally and they were used to a little bit of traffic going past the door or a neighbour walking down the road. Um, it's it's very evident now that, you know, people are, are really, they're really struggling. Um, I mean, we're one of the most social countries in the world and this is probably the most antisocial virus we've ever come across. Um it's hard to understand, I suppose, where we go. When you see people walking into a pub, older people in particular, it's probably for their half portion at lunchtime. That's their only outing for the day. That's when they have their meal. That's when they like to engage in conversation with the waitress or whomever they meet on the way to the pub, um, especially in suburban areas or in, in cities around the country. Um, so, you know, people are really, really feeling the loss of the face-to-face. Uh, we have an initiative with Vodafone. We're sending out phones, for example, to people to keep them connected. Um, and that's helpful, um, but it's just not the same. And, and I think, you know, our own parents included, they, they, it's hard to accept that you can't see grandkids and it's hard to accept that you can't just do your norm, especially if you feel fit and well. And that walking or going out is part of your daily routine to keep your physical and mental health in, in check. Um, so it's, it's very difficult at the moment. We can just reassure people. I mean, there's a lot of unknowns out there. Uh, my, you know, my comment about scaremongering is we've adapted very well day by day, hour by hour, week by week. If we keep that approach, things are, are happening and changing very quickly. I just feel, you know, making long term statements are just not helpful. Um, but if we keep adapting week by week, we might get there. But I mean, we have to understand it worries me. It worries everybody. The mental health of the whole country um, is <laughs> under scrutiny here. And if we don't offer hope, then what do we offer? I mean, I'm a very positive person, but, you know, everybody's struggling and we're, we're talking to older people 12 hours a day, um, uh, reassuring them and comforting them and offering them, a, you know, a social outlet on the phone that we can call them back and have the chats, basically. Um, but it's not just older people that are feeling that. Younger people, kids in school, small kids. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough situation, no doubt. And of course, it's not just uh, pubs being affected in terms of doors closed. Uh, Jack, your your visitor centre, for example, with the distillery would be closed as well. Um, I'm wondering for both of you, um, what, what what will a reopening look like for either of you? Or actually, you know what, a better place to start is let's go backwards before we go forwards to reopenings. Um, you both would have closed your doors, what, the week before St. Patrick's Day, the busiest Sunday. time of the year for... Yeah. Yeah. Busiest time of the year, yeah, for both of you. Um, yeah. I'd imagine the effect you're still you're still dealing with the ramifications of that. It's uh, yeah, it was the twelfth for us. It was uh, <clears throat> excuse me uh, when the Taoiseach was in Washington D.C. came out and basically said, 
that tourist attractions had to close. So we closed our visitor center and our offices on that day. Um, but it also put a stop to a lot of initiatives that we were doing around the world, um, using St. Patrick's Day as a, as a great shop window to talk about um, all things Irish and particularly, you know, premium Irish whiskey. Um, and, uh, you know, I was just uh, literally uh, a couple of weeks ago, went back into the distillery and it was like, the, you know, uh, the world had just stopped. Everything was just there, our badges for St. Patrick's Day and everything. It, uh, uh, it was like a, a time capsule of a time uh, of yesteryears. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, we've been struggling to, to get our head around uh, what to do since then. And I really feel um, for uh, hospi hospitality in general, uh, but also the tourism um, side of business, because that's just gone. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, no one could plan for this. Um, and while there is government supports in place to, to keep people um, on people's books and so forth, but there's no real long-term strategy for the knock-on implications, uh, which will happen over the, the foreseeable future. The third, season, the third season's over. So yeah. no one's going to come. 2020's gone. So, so okay, we have a 12-week support for salaries, which are uh, no, no doubt going to be slowly pulled back. But what's going to happen for the rest of the business? And, and you know, we're all talking about all these debt facilities being set up. So you're dumping all this debt on, on companies with no, no way to, to, to deal with the, the knock-on effect of that. So, so look, I think everyone's trying their best to do it, but the, the solutions that are in place aren't necessarily the right solutions to ensure viable businesses actually can get the way out. But for us, you know, we're planning for, for reopening. I think that's the only thing from our business center in terms of we have a, co we have a, uh, a cafe element, we have you know, a retail element, and we're looking at basic ways that we can open it just to get people working again. And it feels so much more positive to be able to talk about that and plan for that rather than just looking into this abyss of, of, of never opening again and uh, no return to normality. So, mm -hmm. so we're hoping come the 5th of May, there's a roadmap or a beginning of a roadmap uh, in terms of what we can do to plan for the future. And in terms of full reopenings, whenever that may be, um, what do you think that's going to look like from a consumer perspective? Because I guess people are kind of saying this could go either way. Um, there could be a, a run on the pub, so to speak, as in, you know, a huge mass congregations of people just desperate to see each other and have a social life again. But it could go the other way either. And people could be quite wary for a long time of being around each other in big gatherings. What do you think consumers are going to want from, from pubs and, and breweries and visitor centers uh, in the future? Um, I, yeah, I, I think consumer behavior will take a while to come back. I don't think people will just totally uh, uh, flip on its head. Uh, and the longer it goes on, the harder it will be to unwind that. I think just as a human nature, we will be liked to socialize. Um, that uh, will always come back out. Uh, but how quickly it will mean to people being very comfortable going to large group gatherings like concerts and so forth. Uh, uh, besides from being allowed to happen, uh, I, you know, I think it'll take some time for that to come back. Yeah, I'm, I'd have to agree with you. I mean, we closed on the most pubs, all pubs closed on the Sunday the 15th. We had been planning to close that afternoon anyway. Um, but we reopened for takeaway on the Thursday, so two days after St. Patrick's Day. Um, and I think it's very evident that people, you know, at least through a takeaway menu um, and it, people are collecting this contactless um, 
pickup that they're still happy to see people. Um, we find, I mean, we're really doing it to get some people back to work and also to provide a service to the local community where people are entitled to a treat. It's as if everything went and nobody's entitled to anything except staying at home and looking at the four walls. So, you know, the type of service we're offering now is, is, is small enough. It's keeping some people in jobs. Um, we're hoping to ramp it up. Um, I guess the traditional walking into the pub and seeing your friend and as guys do patting each other on the back and shaking hands and saying, how are you? It's good to see you. What's been up with you? How have you found things? When is that conversation ever going to happen? It's, it's very, very hard to see how people can, you know, get back to some semblance of normality and make it viable. We have, for example, a public bar, a lounge and an outdoor area. Are we looking at not opening the bar? Are we looking at selling tickets? Are you looking at employing security I mean how do you say no to somebody who probably hasn't been out in seven eight nine ten weeks um it's it's a very difficult situation to be in and we don't want a sterile environment either because that's what the whole idea of the pub is the social aspect of it it's the people watching it's the nod to who you know how are you doing but if you can't get close to them you can't you can't be in a bar and so it's not a one-size-fits-all a public bar uh, you know a public bar where there's no food served is going to really struggle um Pubs that serve food on a large basis are restaurants, essentially, you know, and they should be given the option to open and practice whatever precautions they need to practice to get back up and running. However, operating at 20, 30, 40 percent of your capacity is not going to be viable. Um, and as Jack said there, you know, debt support. Great. No, it's grants. It's uh, we're not no, we're not looking for loans. How are we going to pay back loans? When are you going to be back up to full capacity? When are people going to be back to work? Um, you know, it's 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 a very different picture, isn't it, on the horizon? Um, but I think, you know, we're not rigid. We're 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 robust, and we'll 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 we're we are all in this together, and we will find new novel ways to keep people safe and to open up. Um, but that requires investment too. Um, and when there's no money coming in, how do you do that? So there's a lot of unanswered questions, I suppose. But again, I just think if we keep, keep it week to week and if governments engage with publicans and distillers and people in business and try and understand how together we can get the country back up and running, I think it's very, very important. And we're open to doing that. Um, and if anything has, has been proven in the last number of weeks and months, it's that we can break the mold and reinvent it and you know, put new things in place and do that quickly. And we can adapt. And every industry in the country, in the world has adapted. Um, and I mean, look at retail, look at supermarkets, they've changed and adapted. Um, and that probably won't go back to previous days, you know, the, the screens and the, the bit of distancing, you know, that, that's all gonna change. Um, but I think, yeah, it's a very different um, picture on the horizon, but we have to be hopeful. Um, and I think people deserve the opportunity to get back out there and know that they're being protected and that we have to get the wheels of industry back up and running though at some stage. And reinvention and innovation, I suppose, have probably never, ever been more important. I know you're both uh, taking steps to adapt and, and um, Deirdre, you guys, you know, reopen for food within two days. Mm. Jack, I think I read somewhere, perhaps you told me you're doing virtual tours now yep. of the centre. Um You've probably both had to get creative with things like even your marketing and, and advertising. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, how have you put the heads down in terms of trying to think outside the box and come up with just different ways of being? Yeah, I, I think the first couple of weeks, um, people were shocked. We were just in shock. And, uh, they, you know, you're, you're dealing with the, the new situation. But after that kind of settled down, it was like, okay, well, what can we do? 
and uh, what are you know the the levers that we can pull uh, to to still stay connected and also to give back to our local community so so we we you know i suppose the ethos that i that i took was uh, how do you want to be remembered after this is all over so what what could did you do everything you could do to 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 deal with it as best you possibly can so so we've a, a a different couple of different strands some is a community outreach and community support um, based around you know ppe care packages for for frontline facing staff in particular customers in off license who are still open and they're you know being exposed as anyone else and and they don't have access maybe to some of the other stuff <clears throat> that other people would have uh, make hand sanitizers different things like that we've done a charity bottling which um, uh, created some funds that we could go back, give back to the likes of Alone or to some of the, the hospitals that are literally uh, in the epicenter of COVID-19 in Dublin uh, and other things like that. So we did that, but also from a marketing perspective, you have digital media and you know, reality is, is, is you, know, you can use platforms like Zoom and everything else to, to, to connect to them. And uh, you know, it's probably something we should have been doing beforehand but it just forces to do it. So, so we've been working with, with retail partners that would sell a tasting kit. Um, and then on a Wednesday, we would do you know, a virtual tasting through the whiskeys. We've a, a virtual tour created that will allow people to, to go in and just go around the distillery and see it for themselves and different things like that. Um, so so you know, I think these are, are stuff, again, a company like us should have been doing because you know, we're trying to be a global business and people will never get to Dublin and come and see us. So how can we connect to them? Um, um, and we'll continue to do more of that and finding ways of, of you know, enjoying our product in a safe environment uh, to, in moderation, uh, uh, you know, teeling at home, creating cocktails and different like that. So, so they can have an experience in their own house, uh, but also feel part of a community doing something the same. Um, so that social aspect of it, while you won't see face to face, I think there, you can create communities where you know, we can share the same interests and learn about something and, and feel that element of connection using modern technology, but look, nothing will be the face-to-face, -face. nothing will be mm -hmm. talking to people in a bar, in a pub, um, or a whiskey show, but look, we're just trying our best and you know, doing what we can in the current environment. And obviously, um, innovation contributes to robustness, I suppose, but uh, another factor there might be um, the age and how long a company has been up and running. So Teeling's obviously five years old and Deirdre, your fourth generation public. And, and do you think that puts both of you in, um, in a stronger position to, to ride this out? Mm. I mean, as I said, we're lucky that we have bar, restaurant, outdoor area, um, I, we used to do, we did a lot of outside catering as well. So we've been through many recessions, I suppose, and we, hopefully we'll we'll uh, we'll weather the storm here. You know, I think the support of of people and of customers and of locals and in, in this in the community we live in um, has been tremendous. Everybody is saying we will be back, we will support you, we can't wait for you to open your doors. Uh, everybody's embracing the takeaway food as a treat. Um, so we look, we just have to, we just have to, I suppose, ride the storm. Um, uh, it's just, I mean, look, people have great ideas. And I think if one thing, this, this is demonstrated that people are working longer hours from home. They're working, what, an average 12-hour day now. Um, but even in Alone, we've seen virtual fundraisers like we've never, ever seen before. You've, you've people, um, even last night, doing a 5K in Dubai for Alone. Uh, marathons, 
um, people designing artwork and you know there's, there's just been so many novel ideas that have raised funds for a loan that people have thought of because they're so creative I think we are very creative and I think you know as the days and weeks move on we'll come up with newer ideas um you know to to, to battle the storm and to, to come out of this fighting um but you know also I guess in an established community where we're, we're very conscious that this um an older population and that we have lost a lot of neighbors and customers and we're you know we we don't want to forget them either and um we've always kind of prided ourselves as being the pub at the hub of the community and supporting um you know active retirement groups mother and baby groups and all of that uh so i think there'll be a time when we come out of this as well to remember people um and you know we've only been able to do that digitally till now um so yeah look we we will be we'll continue to be innovative we've lots of ideas it's just about the funds to pay for the innovativeness, I suppose, um, that we'll have to look into. <laughs> I, th I think for, from our perspective, um, you know, definitely the fact that we've been in business, actually we started in 2012, the visitor center has been open since 2015. So, so we've developed, uh, I suppose, more advanced routes market than a lot of new companies. So I actually really feel for some of the newer entrants in, in either, you know, brewing or um, um, in spirit side of things, because, you know, most of our outlets now are closed um, uh, while we've actually managed to get some national distribution. So, you know, we can still buy our products where people can shop uh, and also, you know, in, in the, the independent off-license channels. So, and also we're in uh, nearly 70 different export markets. But the difference with that is that normally when there's a recession in one or two countries, um, uh, there's always some other countries that will carry you. This is global. Everyone's in the same situation. Uh, you know, in France, all the outlets that basically stock our product is closed. Same in Germany and so forth. Uh, but in fairness, being able to pivot with some of our partners into Amazon and different outlets like that, where, you know, there's, there is a, a, obviously a lot of people are buying. But the problem is people don't buy something new when in crisis. When, when you're scared and you're shocked, you don't go out and try, you know, a new expensive 60, 70 euro bottle of gin. You buy what you know. Um, and we're finding that people are, are, are nearly bulk buying the established brands that they, they're comfortable with so they don't have to go out, you know, uh, and buy whatever uh, and their supply for the next month. Um, um, so it's, it's helping us, but also in other markets where we're less developed, it, it's, it's obviously a big challenge as well. And do you think there'll be a big drive to support local both premises and products when this is all over? I, I firmly, I do, and I'm, I'm trying my best. Uh, and definitely trying to support all... Uh, bars, restaurants, um, uh, retail outlets that are still trying their best to, to stay open and offering innovative things, um, um, you know, whatever we can, um, you know, with home barbecue kits. And again, trying to create the experience at home. It's not the same, but it's still, you feel like you're doing it's something. Sport. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, look, I think the quality of steaks you get from a restaurant are a lot better than you buy in two marks. Uh, and also it's, just it's it's a bit of a teaser and something nice and, and new. And I know there's a couple of bars even near near where I live who are uh, uh, managing to to deliver uh, uh, draft uh, pints and so forth. So look, people are trying their best and people are dying to give back. Uh, and you know, again, if we work together, the consumer support is there. Um, we just have to figure a way of operating that's safe but also, um, you know, it's viable, commercially viable mm. for bars, restaurants um, to tap into that latent interest that's actually there. 
Yeah, I, I think there's tremendous support as well. I'd agree with Jack there. I just think it'll be it'll be very disappointing if uh, people want to support and realise that their local coffee shop or their local restaurant or their local pub can't reopen because maybe they were a leaseholder and maybe they're just not it's not viable they just can't open their doors again so I think there has to be the supports there um, to support hospitality to support tourism and to get ourselves back up and running um, and there have to be breaks there for people I mean having a lease on a premises is not easy and you know what you know commercial landlords have a responsibility so do banks um and so do and suppliers i think will be very good as well in that they will support people but uh, if you're walking down the road locally and your coffee shop is gone and your small you know retail shop you know is, is still open but doesn't offer the coffee and then you see the restaurant doesn't open and the pub it doesn't open um i mean i'm i'm out and about working at the moment and it's 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 tragic to see all the closed premises across the, across the city, and uh, so I can't imagine what it's like outside of outside of main cities. I, I'd imagine it's pretty, it's pretty bleak. Um, so I think local support is there, but the financial supports have to be there to allow people to reopen and to get going and to support them this year, to support them next year. Um, and that, as I said, it's not loans; it's grants. It's we need we need proper financial supports. And um, I, I totally agree, and I think it hasn't been really addressed. Is 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 the elephant in the room, which is the fixed costs, which mm. you know are, are are accruing now. And you know, it's a, let's say a holiday is great is one thing, but reality is is they just need a, a total break from it uh, in terms of rent, rates, insurance, insurance. Like you know, it has have just gone through the roof. For any hospitality or tourism uh, attraction, mm. um, and uh, you know, again, there has to be a, a joined-up thinking of how we deal with this. If businesses are closed for three to four to five months, and they open up with this, even a fraction of it hanging over them, do you think flying- an amnesty, Jack? Yeah, I think it has to be, and it has to be. Uh, a, the rent is a massive thing. If you're in Dublin, the rent costs. Uh, um, if there's no, if someone doesn't deal with that. Well, they'll, these these are own. They won't be financially viable to open yeah. up again. Um, yeah. And again, you know, no one is talking about that. And uh, that's because it's still unclear when they can open. And uh, but they have to. And and in terms of rates, is one thing. Yeah, okay. Look, if you're not getting the service, you shouldn't pay for it. the same thing. Insurance, you shouldn't have to pay for insurance if if you've no customers, you've no liability. There has to be. Uh, dealt with and I think they will in some sort of way but I think the rent side of things mm. uh, has to be tackled sooner rather than later and for the government to find a way to find a compromise for the commercial landlord and the, the tenants that are actually there. Mm. It sounds like a lot of uh, painful conversations on the road ahead but uh, that's where we leave it. Thanks so much for being with us and uh, I really hope as does I would imagine every single person who will be watching or listening to this I really hope that the next time I speak to you both that we are back to business as usual, that your pub is at capacity, Deirdre, and that there are people flooding into the visitor centre, among other things, Jack. And hopefully that's where things will be the next time I see you. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Fingers crossed. (laughs) Thanks. Good to see you. Thank you. Joe presents All In, together with AIB, backing Irish business. My next guest is a true pioneer of Irish craft beer. He founded his company in 1996 at the height of the Celtic Tiger when international imports were in vogue and opening an Irish brewery was seen as a big risk. It's Carlo Brewing boss Seamus O'Hara. 
James, thanks so much for joining us this morning. I'm going to start with a really obvious question. We've just been speaking to Deirdre and Jack, prominent publican and distillery owner. And of course, you have uh, the brewery, you also have a restaurant and a bar. So um, probably affected in, in three different ways due to COVID. How are things going in all of the businesses? Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, it is kind of different. So obviously, with the, so we have a bar, brewery corner in Kilkenny. So that's closed at the moment, like all the bars. Uh, and in Dublin, we have Urban Brewing, which is has a bar and restaurant, uh, and we're it's substantially closed. We have a we have a collect you know click and collect and delivery sort of food and beer service from there running at the moment. But but but, but, but you know obviously the main part of the business is closed. Um, and then in, in down in Bagnestown in Carlow, uh, we have the brewery, um, and it's like so our on trade business, which between domestic and export is probably about half our business. So that's stopped for the moment hopefully paused to recover um, and then the off-trade side of the business you know that's still functioning and pretty busy to be honest uh, so we've you know so at least I suppose looking on the bright side you know part of the part of the business is still operating and is, is allowing us to keep I suppose uh, things going and keep a good chunk of the team together uh, and, and so on and you know we're trying to kind of deal with that and respond to that and for the brewery how have things changed are you doing home deliveries did you have to change the packaging actually i'd also be interested to know have uh, consumer preference preferences in terms of favorite like most mm. popular kind of beer changed anything like that yeah so uh, um I, I suppose with, with like the like on the off-trade side of our business the supermarkets and the independent off licenses that kind of side has you know initial bit of kind of panic buying and and restocking challenges and, and and so on once we got over that that's been running pretty smoothly uh with the same product portfolio that we would have had um and it's pretty you know we're seeing kind of strong upswing in that not enough to cover the on, loss of the on trade but nevertheless um and, and we've sort of shifted around our team particularly the sales team to focus more on that um and you know, given that we don't know how long this will continue for, I suppose, in some ways, we're then trying to look, see, okay, what else can we do in the off-trade channel in terms of new products we might, you know, bring to market? Or we also do some important distribution. So, um, and with that side of the business, which we kind of run under the umbrella of Radical Drinks, and it's, there's a Radical Drinks website and, you know, a, a web store. So we do online sales. Uh, well, we just launched online sales, sorry, about two weeks ago through that kind of platform. Um, to to particularly when we were when there was a lot of uncertainty as to whether even the off trade channel would stay open. So, over a couple of days, we got our our online store up and running with our kind of whole portfolio. Um, that's radicaldrinks.com. Anyone wants to check that out? Um, so we've been kind of adopting, and in terms of the consumer preference, uh, probably hard to tell. Like my good, my kind of good feeling from uh, just past experiences. You know, people tend to be more experimental and try different things when they're buying an off-trade. So we're kind of optimistic that it's probably a good time for craft beer, that people, when they're browsing around the store and, and you know, maybe sitting at home, uh, might think about, you know, whether it's, you know, trying something different and maybe looking for, you know, something maybe more more interesting in terms of flavor and so on. So, um, and we are, you know, like I said, we're seeing kind of strong sales in the off-trade and a bit of feedback we have as well is that maybe kind of slightly more established brands are getting better traction and maybe people are looking for the safer options. So. We, we're kind of hoping the O'Hara's brand is relatively established in Ireland in, in uh, you know, in craft beer terms. Um, and we're seeing some benefit from that as well. 
And of course, you launched the company at a time when it wasn't such a great time to be mm. an Irish brand or, or a, a local craft beer, 96, yeah. height of the Celtic Tiger. Um, yeah. And I guess mm. the international imports were a bit more popular at the time. Um, that must have been a brave move and quite a scary one back in 96. Yeah, like, I suppose in 96 when we started, there wasn't even very many imports in the market. So like our, our idea to start a brewery came from I suppose living abroad for a little while in my case and, you know, seeing much bigger variety and diversity of beer in the market than we had in Ireland at that time. So I got kind of enthusiastic as a consumer probably and then, you know, trying to kind of set up a business which, you know, thought was an opportunity. But because there had been very little diversity in the market, if you think back then there was like three or four beers in pretty much every pub, you know, the same everywhere. And, And off trade was a much smaller percentage of the overall market. So it was bit of a baptism of fire in the early days uh, to sort of navigate that and you know export in the early days became an important part of our business actually because we saw that there was a wide you know an appetite for a wider range of beers in lots of export markets but less so in Ireland but that kind of changed over time and you know kind of gradually took off um, and look ups and downs along the way uh, you know we had obviously kind of heavy recession going back to the 2008-2009 in other words for a few years um and you know we've seen ups and downs i suppose several times over the course you know getting started in the first place and then you know different kind of challenges along the way so this is kind of a big one currently but you know i suppose in some ways you know we've kind of learned a little bit over the over the years about trying to be resilient and and deal with such challenges and i know that um michael o'leary is someone you actually admire for that for going global, for taking on international giants. Is that um, something you've aspired to do yourself from the start? Yeah, at a different scale now. But, um, but like, you know, look, you take inspiration by looking at other people, you know, businesses, other business people, particularly Irish businesses that have managed to grow their businesses. Um, I suppose pretty where, where, you know, maybe there's a, a big strong competitor or kind of a monopoly or a duopoly kind of situation, as we would kind of say in our situation. There's obviously some very big brands, established brands in the market that have massive scale. Um, and then like the craft beer sector and cider sector, actually, which, which we're part of, is very, very small in comparison. And there's no real in-between. So in, the, in that kind of sense, it's almost a little bit unhealthy in that there's, you know, there's very small companies and then a few very large companies. And, and because probably like aviation, like uh, alcohol sales is fairly fairly heavily regulated. You can't just roll up to a farmer's market and sell your beer or, or, you know, sell out your front door. You have to go through established license channels. So again, when there's a small number of dominant players, that becomes, you know, becomes quite a challenge because that's heavily dominated by, by those brands. So like, like all the craft breweries, that's something we've had to kind of try to navigate and, and uh, like I said, you know, if you, you get a little bit of inspiration from seeing other people, even if in, in other sectors who've managed to uh, kind of, you know, deal with that and, and prosper, you know, despite the challenges. And you probably, you know, find if you have to find different ways and, and maybe it makes you more creative and inventive. And I think that's partly what we and, and other craft breweries have tried, tried to bring to the beer business generally in Ireland. Uh, I think craft beer has brought that, you know, more innovation, more, um, you know, in terms of product styles. There's a lot more diversity out there today it's um you know maybe almost like kind of wine sector you have a lot of different brands a lot of different products uh, a lot of different varieties uh which certainly if you're a beer consumer makes life more more interesting 
You mentioned the 08 recession there, um, as you rightly said, you know, this wouldn't be the first time you've uh, mm. weathered quite a big uh, storm and a challenge to the business. Would you have any tips or any wisdom to share from, from the last time, the last time you went through something like this? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I suppose, you know, just to comment first on the last, funny enough, the last time when the recession came in, um, it, there was there was kind of a strong reaction from consumers in terms of supporting local and looking at, you know, who's finding the local jobs, the local food, the local beverage, the local, you know, businesses. So we actually, you know, it's, it's, the business kind of grew quite quite well over over that kind of recession period, and uh, the craft beer kind of sector as a whole sort of developed quite strongly over that period just because of that so i'm kind of hoping that you know maybe some of that happens again this time but uh but i suppose it, like in terms of meeting a challenge like this like uh, like my kind of thinking on it is like a lot of it's about kind of keeping calm and trying to react quick you know like we lost roughly half our business overnight so you know you can't panic we have to kind of figure out right what do we do to keep the business stable and look at our cost base uh and look at our cash flow and our cash um, and you know, try and adopt to that pretty quickly, um, and, and at least become stable and sustainable. Um, and look, because we don't know how long the situation will continue, like our objective has been to really put the company on a, a sort of right size footing, um, like in terms of the cost base, you know, with 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 the kind of revenue as it is, uh, that we can sustain as long as as long as it takes. So you know, that that's kind of been our approach. But I suppose we came into it as well, like I, maybe because we've been through this before and. You know, I feel we're a small company. Company, you know, in, in a very competitive sector, you, you never know what's around the corner. So, like, we've tried to be, uh, I suppose, prepared in some ways by the diversity of our business. You know, we, in terms of our product range, but also the customer bases we work with on trade, off trade, domestic export, um, and also with the, you know, with the share, like the shareholder base we have. Like, you know, we feel we have a strong backing there as well. Uh, and and felt we were probably you know like ready for for things like this to come along, and and hope that we're you know kind of strong enough to to, to navigate through it, and and I, I think most importantly to as things get up and running again when when maybe it's the toughest part is that we're you know we have the resources to to get going and you know disruption always brings opportunity so you know to be to be able to I suppose you know regrow the business and 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 look at the opportunities that come our come our way you know albeit in probably a different a different environment than we left uh, a few weeks ago how do you prepare for something like this Seamus on an ongoing basis so as you as you've rightly mentioned you know we don't know how long this is going to last and even if it um, stops or pauses for a while there's every chance it might it might all kick off again um mm. down the line if we if we don't get a vaccine soon enough so Mm. Is this a case that you are you trying to prepare, um, you know, day by day, week by week, or is it a case of making a pretty detailed roadmap or a timeline of, you know, if if things get back to, I suppose normal, whatever that's going to look like, if they get back to normal next month, this is where we'll be. But if it's six months, we might have to close this. We might have to lay off that many. Um, where's your where's your head at? I suppose I'm asking. Or how do you how do you juggle all this when you don't know what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah. Like it is, it is kind of a tough one, and. Uh... Like I suppose initially for us it was, you know, just to kind of manage the company, you know, uh, it, it, like for today in terms of what's there today in terms of the business we have today, uh, and so that we're like I said, you know, we're kind of sustainable as a business given the current environment, um, and then kind of working on the different scenarios, but probably given the uncertainty and 
my own background is in biotech, so I kind of have some sense of the challenges of developing vaccines and things like that. That you know, this is not going to change. This could be quite a long, a long road. So that we, uh, I, I suppose, you know, try and work to a scenario where this could take a long while. And uh, you know, number one, that like I said, we have a sort of, sort of sustainable business plan and financial plan to continue through that. Um, and then looking in kind of more medium, longer term, uh, given that you know the part of our business is still operating you know like okay how 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 do we build that um and and you know, where are the opportunities there what what what's in that space that we're not currently satisfying can we you know can we build our business on in, in that in that in that way and then you know have something in reserve for when other parts of the business like the on trade the bars the restaurants kind of come back in whatever kind of step by step fashion um and you know, there's no. I think, unfortunately, we don't have any any crystal ball. But it's trying to work that. And look, we we with with the with the we've been able to keep our team together by and large on the brewery side. You know, um, partly given that part of our business is still going, and with the benefit of some of the government supports have been brought in. So, like the vast majority of our team are are still are still working. You know, albeit maybe on two, three, or four days a week. So, like that gives us the the, the kind of platform then to keep developing the business um, and, you know, in the downtime as well, trying to have a bit of resource there to look at, okay, what can we do in terms of new product development? Um, what can we do in terms of improving the business in terms of process or systems, you know, and training and, and, and things like that. Haven't had, you know, it's still only a few weeks, so it's still been pretty hectic dealing with everything, the more immediate things, but, but we definitely are trying to position ourselves then to see what, you know, in terms of adopting, we're looking at longer term, you know, what what things we can do to improve our business and what new product opportunities may be out there that we can start to start to react react to. And on the other side of all this, it's going to be um, a strange new world for for everybody, and uh, no less for the craft beer market. Mm. Would you have any advice for people who might be, um, you know, maybe planned to try and enter this market in, in late 2020, and now late 2020 is looking nothing like they thought it would. Yeah. Um, Joining, yeah, a new, yeah. joining a market like that on the other side of this, what do you think that will look like? Yeah, I don't look, uh, hard to know. Look, um, I, I think like in our sector, there was already a little bit of consolidation maybe happening anyway. Uh, and if, you, if somebody asked me about joining the sector even six months ago, I would have said, well, you know, tread, tread carefully because it's, uh, you know, it's quite competitive um, and there's quite a lot of companies in, in, in the space. Uh, you know, and imports and, and and so on. So, like, I probably would have been the same. Be, be cautious anyway. Um, so even now, now more so. But like, but I do think, you know, anytime there's disruption like this, to even go back to the 2008 period, like, particularly in a sector like ours where there is a big dominant kind of legacy business, disruption does create opportunities. So you, you have to be kind of you know, I suppose alert to that as well. That's what we're trying to be, and and probably there will be new opportunities for new entrants in some form or fashion. Um, like with the bar restaurant hat on uh, from that side of the business, like, you know, the challenge there is uh, there's very, you know, the businesses are pretty much closed at, at the moment. Um, and, you know, for that sector to get going again is going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, and to accommodate social distancing and, you know, have 100% of your overheads, but half or 30% of your business, that's hard, hard to figure that out. But, um, but nevertheless, I think, we have to be try and be creative, and uh, you know, right now, you know, we don't have any guidelines on reopening those businesses. But but once there are there, then that'll be 
you know, a challenge and an opportunity as well. Um, and we're, I suppose, trying to put our thinking hats on and do some preparatory work for for that side of the business, um, you know, at the moment as well. So, um, but yeah, look, it's, uh, um, we'll see what the next few weeks bring. An incredibly busy year ahead for you, I suppose, no matter what happens. But thank you so much, Seamus, for joining us this morning. Um, and You're welcome. Best of luck, as I say to everybody on this show at the moment, best of luck with yeah. COVID over the next few weeks. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again on the other side. Brilliant. Thanks very much. Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks so much for being with us. And thanks, of course, to AIB for backing the show. Before we go, don't forget to hit subscribe so that you get the full show each week on podcast and on YouTube and so that you never miss an episode. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. See you then. Joe presents All In together with AIB, backing Irish business.